Hi, Troy Harkin here. Before we kick off our Valentine's Day show, David and I wanted to touch on a shortcoming of the episode that you're about to listen to. In discussing the romantic couples of sci-fi, horror, and fantasy, we intended to include LBTQ couples in the conversation. Among those that we planned to mention were Stamets and Dr. Culber from Star Trek Discovery, Bill and Frank from The Last of Us, Sarah Lance and Ava from DC Legends, among others. Sometimes when the two of us do an episode like this one on our own, that is an episode without a guest, we spitball more than we usually do. Unfortunately, we ended up forgetting the important LBTQ aspect of the conversation, and we apologize for that oversight. In the future, as Criswell is wont to say, we plan on doing a Pride-specific episode with a guest from the LBTQ community. And while we're at it, we'd like to acknowledge that this show was recorded in February, Black History Month. David and I also plan on presenting an episode specific to Black creators, characters, actors, and stories of genre. Unfortunately, that will not be ready for this Black History Month, but we'll get it out to you as soon as we possibly can. Please enjoy the rest of this Black History Month, and have a great Valentine's Day. And now, here's our show. Welcome to Two Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi. I'm not Troy Harkin. And neither am I David Clint. And this is our Love on the Set, a St. Valentine's Day special episode. Love, exciting and new. This is our third episode of season four, whole number 45. It is scheduled for broadcast on Saturday, February 11th, 2023. We do not have a special guest for this episode. Before that, Troy will give us a spoiler alert. Hold on to your love seat, people. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Oh, that was good for me. Thanks a lot, Troy. We are recording this session via Zoom. Zoom! Zoom! Yeah. The Doppler Zoom. Zoom! Yeah. Uh, Two Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi is a look back to when we fell in love with a speculative genre, to recall these times with fondness and affection. And I think Captain Kirk may have said it best in the episode The Naked Time. Here is a clip. A disease. Love. You're better off without it, and I'm better off without mine. It's blissful. I give. She takes. She won't permit me my life. I've got to live hers. Jim. I have a beautiful young. Have you noticed her, Mr. Spark? You're allowed to notice her. The captain's not permitted. 
Jim. There is an intermix formula. Now I know why. It's called she. It's never been tested. It's a theoretical relationship between time and antimatter. Flesh woman to touch, to hold. A beach to walk on. A few days, no braid on my shoulder. Captain. On to love on the set. Well, that man has a way with words. Yeah. Well, when you're affected the way he was, of course, Captain Kirk, we will get into, I think, during the episode, a bit about uh, Captain Kirk and Riker and this whole, you know, they were gallivanting around the universe. Uh, let's just say that. Yeah. Now, Dave, do you do you mind if I uh, uh, take a moment to uh, insert my interjection um, before we get off onto the top. Sorry, maybe I should not say before we get off. Um, before we move on to the the, to- the topic properly. Absolutely. Um, I, I often um, ask you a few questions or whatever as a little primer, little little uh, little exercise for us to like ease into the show. So I I have a a question for you, which I'm going to pose in a second. Um, but I'm really excited that we have our Valentine's Day uh, show upon us. Once again, last year, we had a really great one with our cheesecake and beefcake episode with Charlene Challenger and Shandle Manuk. And um, I apologize that uh, we uh, don't have anybody of the opposite sex today, but it's still going to be fine, folks. And uh, at some point, maybe we'll, we can turn over the, uh, the show some uh, all female guests or something. Maybe we, I don't know. Maybe we can do that. Maybe we won't though, right? <laughs> so, would you like would you like me to pose this question to you, David? Pose away. Okay, I have six actresses who have played Catwoman, and I just thought I was curious. I know my favorite uh, ranked Catwomen of the six that have been in feature films. And I'm curious to know yours. Um, so the, the actresses are Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather. This is in chronological order. Uh, Eartha Kitt, Michelle Pfeiffer, Anne Hathaway, and Zoe Kravitz from The Batman. Um, do you have any thoughts on who who your number six would be of that list? That's Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, Eartha Kitt. Michelle Pfeiffer, Anne Hathaway, Zoe Kravitz. Now, um, I might be off my rocker bit, but didn't Halle Berry play that role? Oh, goodness gracious. Yes, let's throw in a number seven there. You're right. That was that, was that standalone film. Not It was not a Batman film, but you're right. Um, so let me get that uh, in there, Halle Berry. And this would be now... Halle Berry, I believe, has won an Oscar, right? This is not, this is not. One for Monsters Ball, not for her role as Catwoman. Right. No, no, because that's a pretty atrocious film. But, (laughs) but this is, um, so not, we know Halle's got the chops, but this is about, uh, performance of the role. Who is your favorite Catwoman? And now we have Halle Berry in there. Yeah. Yeah. And Halle Berry would be uh, way up there because a bit of a, 
crush on Halle Berry, but I would have to say um, my number one would be Julie Newmar. Okay. But I think each each one um, of those uh, actresses brought something different uh, yeah. and, and have their own like style and grace and what they tried to bring um, to that role. I, a friend of mine actually has Eartha Kitt as um, his favorite um, Catwoman of all time. Um, I'm sure you'll probably find someone who has actually got from all of those actresses mentioned, you know, each one would be someone's favorite um, uh, Catwoman, but certainly uh, Julie Newmar brought something special to the role. And I think you may have some comments about Julie Newmar and Adam West, possibly. Uh, spoiler alert. Sorry. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I used to have a book that I, that I wanted to go to for research for today's show that was called Back to the Batcave. It was Adam West's memoirs about playing the character. And it's a great book. It's hilarious. It's honest. Um, anyway, I realized that a few years ago, I had lent it to somebody. So I no longer had it in my possession. So I thought, well, let me check out Amazon Maybe I can just order another one. Now, my book, I got used for like $5.99. All I could find online was like versions of it that were $133 and upwards. <laughs> so so I did not get all of my research done that I wanted to because I was sure that there was, um, uh, you know, some extra curricular action going on between the two of them. But I found that that Adam West was involved with a lot of different women, but I could never find a direct connection to Julie Newmar. I know Newmar loved to drive Adam West nuts on set. She would basically, I guess, tease him. Um, but um, yeah, I couldn't find anything about an, an actual affair or anything, but she is my number one. Julie Newmar is my number one. Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, I had as my number two, who would have been in, in your two slot. It might have been uh, Halle Berry, but it might have been um, – now, who was the actress that was in the actual TV movie from the 60s? That was Lee Merriweather. Lee Merriweather. And she's up there too. Um, and we're certainly looking forward to doing a, a podcast episode, which I think will be coming this season probably in the next few episodes on – the Batman series and yeah. that one standalone movie around the mid sixties. Um, just in an episode just on that, um, because there's so much to it. Um, you know, one of the things, Troy, is that, and I'm sure someone's written a short story about this is the idea of trying to find, you know, we have all these things that we used to have that might be worth a lot of money now. Wouldn't a time traveler want to go back and find action comics? Oh my God. Superman in mint condition, actually seal it in some kind of a thing that would keep it in that condition without it having been, in fact, maybe even go to the original warehouse where these things or the place where it was actually being printed and get like a hundred pristine copies of it. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. Now I just found out recently that I, I have a relative that actually had um, the action comic with the first Superman story in it. Um, and uh, he had a number of other very collectible Superman titles. Um, 
And I don't know, there was some sort of argument uh, with uh, his spouse and believe it or not, they were thrown out. Which, mm. which, which like blows my mind because you would think that like, you know, I just can't imagine how much all of that was worth. But anyway, I don't even want oh, to think about that because that's going to bring right? me down. Yeah, that's love. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> right. that's, 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 there's a good side of love and then there's the bad side of the love. downside. We drive, well, each, we, we drive everyone nuts, but then we also love that from, from people too. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I know I have so much crap collected that it, it would be too much energy for somebody to have to put like to try to throw it all out because it would be like a couple of days worth of, of effort. <laughs> they would mm. really, they would, it would be so much easier to just kill me, you know? <laughs> um, so speaking of, you said, well, let's uh, hope it doesn't come to that, but no. Um, so who would, who would your least favorite be? Your least favorite cat woman. Um, I've, um, I should have written down the list, but I would possibly, well, it's between, uh, and no offense again, it's just your own. Yeah, inter- it's like, totally subjective. Own, yeah, it's completely subjective. But for me, it would be somewhere between Anne Hathaway and Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, oh my God. That, yes. Oh, it's your least favorite. Wow. And well, I'm certainly a fan of Anne Hathaway for sure. Here's, I'll give you mine then. Okay. Really quickly. Yeah. So I have, I have Julie Newmar's number one. Michelle Pfeiffer is number two. Anne Hathaway is number three. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is number four. Quite liked her in the recent film. Um, Lee Merriweather, who I just found, it was so hard coming after Julie Newmar um, that she's down in number five for me. Um, Halle Berry, again, that's not so much about her as the script, the role, the film. Uh, it's hard to dig out of that one. And Eartha Kitt is my number seven. But yeah, I know, I know, uh, some folks who she's their number one. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, there's, um, and uh, with Zoe Kravitz, I, um, I thought she was great. Um, yeah. Yeah, she was definitely, well, I, I loved everything about that film except Pattinson, really. Um, and, and then, and that wasn't one of those things where I went into it. Um, disliking the actor. And then, and in fact, I found the character just really soppy, sort of emo. Um, I liked other aspects of it. I liked the look of that film. I liked Catwoman. I liked Alfred. <laughs> but I just wanted to smack Batman. You know, he just seemed uh, like such an emo version of the character. Thanks for indulging me on this one, Dave, but we should probably move on um, with our proper right, topic. And, um, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. On to Love on the Set. Uh, we aren't doing the history background for the topic. Love has no bounds. Um, there have been a number of genre productions, whether it is a TV series or TV episode, movie, where love blossomed between actors on the set. We'll mention some of those and also just... Uh, characters and and their loves and so on so off the top of my head when we were planning this episode i had thought of two ones that i had thought of right away um which was of course in true blood uh the two main characters anna paquin and stephen moyer it was very clear at the time and there's a lot of talk about how that they actually were in a relationship um love blossomed on the set so to speak and also in game of thrones between Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie. 
Um, and there's also what's Green Lantern. I don't know if you remember that um, yeah. uh, film. Um, it wasn't as bad as Daredevil, but it didn't really oh. quite reach, you know, the hopes of of many. Oh, there's um, one, but that was yeah. Ryan Re- yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah that, that's a, it's funny. Both of those films that which have been really been vilified. Um, uh, let me recommend this one. There's a, uh, a director's cut of Daredevil out there, um, and it's much better than the version that was released to theaters. And again, if I have to pick uh, between Pattinson and an Affleck for a Batman, I'm still going Affleck. Um, but Green Lantern, I thought Reynolds did a great job, and I think it's funny to, that he he has a lot of fun knocking that film in other films. Um, I love the way it looked, especially for the time. But tonally, uh, it just didn't know if it wanted to be like a smart-ass film along the lines of um, Deadpool um, or or just a straight-up serious uh, film. And that that's, I think, where the film really suffered. It just didn't know what it wanted to be. Anyway, enough of that sidebar because we're here to talk talk about love, baby. Yeah. Um, so Green Lantern, definitely Ryan Reynolds and uh, Blake Lively. Um, there's a couple others. Uh, I know what you did last summer, which had Sarah Michelle... Geller and Freddie Prince Jr. I always thought that they got together from the Scooby-Doo film, um, but it turns out that they had um, met during that I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller is definitely an all-time genre uh, crush for me. Yeah, she's been in a number of um, uh, movies and TV series for sure. Now, now, David, I don't know. I know you know a little bit more about Buffy than I do, but were there any um, sort of on or off off stage hookups with members of of Buffy because it seems uh, like it was would have been you know ripe for it rife rife yeah. and rife for rife it, and though. rife yeah um, and rifle I don't know enough of the series to but you would think that because that's part of what it is is that you're you're on the set just like with Green Lantern and with True Blood. And you're doing all of these scenes with someone where you are the playing the role of people that are romantically in love. So you're obviously <laughs> trying to show that there's a whole thing with on-screen chemistry too. And in some cases it doesn't because it, people already have relationships or there've been right. some a number of films where it turns out that those people who were in their own with relationship with other people, it turns out that they ended up having an affair and then actually left their, their husband or wife or what have you. And then hooked up with that um, actor act that was, you know, um, in the film. Yeah. I, I get, now I might be wrong about this, but I assume that's what happened with vanilla sky with uh Tom Cruise and uh, Penelope Cruise. I, but I don't know if they were going out at that point or if, if, uh, if he was still involved with Nic- Nicole Kidman. So I have a funny little story. It probably doesn't No, you know, we probably don't have time, but I'm going to tell you anyway, right now. Um, so I was, I was in a music video uh, called dream girl by the band FM, which I guess is genre related. Cause they also had a song called um, phasers on stun. So there you go. Genre worthy um anyway their sort of comeback album they released a song called dream girl um and i was in this video and the premise of the video was there was uh, these roadies setting up the set for the band on stage uh and there was this blonde girl 
who was the dream girl. And I was the roadie who was infatuated with the dream girl. Mm. So I had to continually be, you know, giving her these forlorn love lost looks. And, um, and it was odd because, you know, they would shoot these segments with the two of us, but then they would shoot these long segments with the band lip syncing. Um, and so she and I were in the green room for hours, like, like 16 hours at a time sometimes while the band was being shot. And I was in a relationship at the time. And, um, and all, on top of this, I was 22 and she was closer to like 17. Um, so it was just, it was an odd dynamic. And I just made sure that like, even though we were in this, uh, green room at the Danforth Music Hall, I was, I did everything I could to create separation because <laughs> it was already weird enough on set, you mm-hmm. know, being with this sort of much younger woman, uh, in intimate shots and whatnot. Anyway, that's it. That's, that's my story that may or may not relate to anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've seen, we should have that on our, on our two old farts site oh uh, i'll post the video finished. yeah because it's actually because i remembered the song and uh, bits of the video when you showed it to me again i had no idea that was you in the video yeah yeah 22 year old me baby troy wow that's uh going back uh, a couple of years <laughs> yeah every so often we watch you know some film or talk about something and then you say oh my god that was 40 years ago or 50 yeah, years yeah. ago yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Time was a series. Uh, I, I watched a few episodes. I think one of the actors was also in Stargate U- Universe and was one of my favorite actors. Uh, I think he was also in Train Spotting or whatever it was called. But anyways, so the the, the relationship between Jennifer uh, Goodwin and Josh Dallas, uh, I think that they must have been romantic on this, um, you know, the characters. Uh, I can't remember which roles they played and so on, but they definitely um had a relationship through that. And also what's weird is the Fantastic Four, there were a couple of movies. One was uh, Jessica Alba and one was, I think, Kate Mara later. Uh, or And what's happened is that both of the Fantastic Four films, uh, you know, major characters on the actual movies actually connected, uh, even though those films were whatever it was, 10 or 15 years apart. Now it was Cash uh, Warren. You have Cash Warren. Right, yeah, Cash Warren and Jessica Alban. Did won. he play uh, Reed Richards? Uh, I don't think so. I, I can't remember the name of the actor that was th- that that played him, but I think it was someone else. Oh, that's uh, odd then that you because you're playing in a relationship with one of the actors, but then in real life you're romantically becoming romantically linked with another person on set. That's going to be. That's going to be a, yeah. an odd dynamic. It's happening again, isn't it? Yeah, sure. No, we're not postponing anything. Not this time. This is going to be the wedding you've always dreamed of. And I'm not going to let anything get in the way of that. Not even the mysterious transformation of matter at the subatomic level. That's the most romantic thing you've ever said to me. Which is really pathetic when you think about it. But in some cases, of course, you've got celebrity couples that met elsewhere but worked together. And one of the more famous ones would have been uh, a recent film, which is just such a standout film, A Quiet Place, that had Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. Right. And when there, um, there's, I, the, I guess, the super famous one of uh, Kristen Stewart and Robin Robert Pattinson on Twilight. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's certainly, yeah. When you work, as you said, when you were 
you know, if you're shooting one of these things, you are spending a lot of time with uh, other actors and actresses. Um, one thing I haven't seen was Halloween 2, uh, Calabar's Revenge, but they mentioned there are a couple um, uh, actors on that that got together. And then the Fantastic Four, Jamie Bell and Kate Marr. And one thing I looked up was voice actors from Mickey and Minnie Mouse, uh, Wayne Allwine and Russie Taylor actually connected as voice actors and then they got romantically involved and got married. Right. And now isn't that where Gene Roddenberry is? Did he meet uh, Majel Barrett? Oh, sorry. What's her name? David? Yes. Majel Barrett Roddenberry was major. I guess just Majel Barrett. She was right. playing nurse Christine Chapel on. And that's one of the things that's not even on my list, which is great that you pointed that one out because they got married. Um, and that would have been something for sure from the set. One of the things is when you look at love between characters on a genre TV show or movie, that there's just the actors who are playing, you know, just love where they don't actually hook up in real life, but they are playing characters that are in love. For example, one of my favorites, of course, is Spock's parents in Journey to Babel uh, from the original, from the classic uh, TV um series and Star Trek Discovery. Like basically in Star Trek there have been a number of of um these uh, portrayed uh Han Solo and Princess Leia. Uh and I have a feeling I don't know if you know about it I have heard anything, but I thought that I had heard that there something may have gone on between the two actual actors during some of the films, but I don't know if you've heard anything or not. I, I did not hear that scuttlebutt, but I mean, you know, like we've said, you know, they spent a lot of time together and I'm sure there was a level of affection, whether it's romantic or not. So it's, it's easy to, to believe. Um, and also we had that weird dynamic in the first two films that basically created a love triangle, uh, with uh, with Luke involved as well, until they straightened out the uh, the sort of the story of the connections with uh, Luke and Darth Vader and Leah. So another one that that occurred to me yeah. was the um, from Buck Rogers in the 25th century. We had uh, Gil Gerard as Buck Rogers, and then there was a little bit of a love triangle that was ongoing between uh, Wilma Deering, the character Wilma Deering, played by Aaron Gray, and Princess Ardala, played by Pamela Hensley. And Ardala was, you know, this, like, drop-dead gorgeous love goddess, and she clearly wanted Buck, uh, and so she pursued him uh, mercilessly. And at the same time, there was uh, Wilma Deering, who clearly had eyes for Buck, but didn't express it as aggressively as uh, as Ardala. Hello, Captain Rogers. It's good to see you again. You're looking... Well, what can I say? Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. I assume you've had a pleasant journey. Very. Mm, this is lovely. You've had a redecorator since I was here last. It's perfect for first phase stipulations. Stipulations? Yes, contractual requirements. Sounds very romantic. Well, for draconian royalty, the act of formal union, marriage in the Terran vernacular, consists of three parts. 
Of which phase one is the first part, I assume. And the most enjoyable. We drink, talk, dance, and get to know each other much, much better. In the days of antiquity, we called that dating. Dating? It's an old earth courtship ritual. Boy meets girl, boy asks girl out. They go to dinner, movie, dancing. And then? And then later back to her place. Turn the lights down kind of low. Put a little music on the stereo audio visual entertainment center. Break up with a little wine. Snuggle up. courtship rituals can be fascinating but there was that tension you know and there was a lot of well princess ardala was mostly undressed and wilma deering erin gray was dressed in her tight satin uh and then buck was also pretty well bound up in you know fabrics of the time um so there was a lot of heat on that set as i recall mm. at least between characters yes um yeah, and that's that whole fish out of water story, just like in Farscape, where you take someone and put them somewhere else entirely and see how they manage. Because um, from Buck Rogers, from what I remember, I thought he was someone from sort of almost present day or some, and then somehow in t- something happens and he's somehow thrust in the future or something like that. Right. I remember yeah, almost like a Planet of the Apes thing, but he he only goes like what is it, five hundred years, I think, into the future. Yeah, yeah, and something similar I think happens with the the main actor. Uh, I think it's Ben Browder in um, Farscape, where he somehow ends up in this place where he is. He has to get acquainted and understand what's going on. Um, now, there's unrequited love, and there's a number of those things like Lady Hawk, where they can only sort of connect for a moment between sun around sunset or however the story is. It's been a while since I've seen it. A nurse chapel and Spock, because you get these things, this idea. And there's also a number of series, uh, whether it was Jag or whatever, like there's so many series over time where there's something uh, moonlighting or whatever it was, where you've got these two main, main um, actors, actors, actresses that, they think that if they eventually do connect and get married, that's the end of the show because right. there's been a history of where that kind of thing has happened. Sure. Like we had with Frazier, the show. with Frazier, we had Daphne, Daphne and Niles. Um, and, mm. and, and I think that, that proved to be true as well, where there was that tension where everybody wanted them to get together over a number of seasons. But then once they did hook up it the show sort of jumped the shark you know mm. so it's that tough thing where you have to play it out uh hopefully the audience will stick it out with you because once they do connect that's probably it yeah and and other ones were like buffy and angel just just from my memory captain kirk and yeoman rand uh captain picard and beverly crusher um, so I have a few others that are not necessarily unrequited, but um, just instances that came to mind. I was thinking of, and God, I'm sorry to put this film back into people's minds, but the um, uh, Batman and Robin film by, by um, Schumacher, 
uh, from 1997. Um, but Uma Thurman did what she could as Poison Ivy, and we had that weird love triangle that develops uh, between Poison Ivy, Batman, and Robin. Um, but yeah, Uma Thurman, I, I would love to see her even, even now reprise the role. Um, although actually a, a new version of Poison Ivy with the younger Poison Ivy would be a good thing. Uh, the MCU also gave us uh, Vision and Wanda. And um, uh, you had a few others mentioned there. I think you had um, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, and Pepper Potts. Peter Parker, who had um, relationships with MJ and Gwen Stacy. Um, the Hulk uh, in the comics uh, was Bruce Banner was romantically linked with Betty Ross. And, you know, there was that entire, like, I guess the probably the most famous of all the comic book relationships would be Lois Lane and Clark Kent or yes. Lois, Lois and Superman. Um, and I just wanted to touch on the Lois Lane comics, which were hilarious. They, they were out in the sixties and seventies. They might even predate the sixties. I'd have to check, but um, essentially they were a cross between a romance comic book and a superhero comic book where Lois often marries or dates someone other than Superman, like Batman or Lex Luthor, and then this, the situation has to be rectified. Um, but we also had the, the TV series uh, Lois and Clark, um, and currently there is the sort of twist on that, Superman and Lois. But in between, we had 10 years of Smallville, and and Smallville was actually very much a um, sort of soap opera uh, through much of its existence. And we had uh, Clark Kent originally with, um, with Lana Lang as his love interest. So that was for the first four seasons and Lana was played by Kristen Crook. Uh, and then it moved on to a relationship with Lois when Lois turns up in Smallville and Lois was played by Eric, Eric Durant. And, and I pretty much love all of the run of Smallville. Um, and people like Erica Durant will keep me hooked to the show in the later seasons, even when the shows aren't that great. And we even had like Jonathan and Martha Kent uh, and their love story throughout the series. And uh, so Jonathan was played by John Schneider and Martha was played by Annette O'Toole, who was also in Superman two, where she played Lana. But there's, there's a lot of love going on in Smallville. I thought it was cool too, that David, I don't know, like, I don't think you watched a lot of Smallville, did you? No. Um. I watched a fair amount, probably for the same reasons, um, because <laughs> I was sort of a bit of a Erica Durant's fan. Yeah. Um, and I watched a few seasons of it, if I remember correctly. Well, it, as you might recall, in the first, um, I guess, at least four seasons, it, the show was set in and around Smallville. But as it, as it, uh, moved on, it was set in Metropolis. And I thought, well, geez, how do they still call it Smallville? But the thing is, Lois's character always calls Clark Smallville. That's his nickname to her. So I thought it was cool that even though they're they're only in Metropolis now and they're never in the town of Smallville, it does justify the name because that's what Lois calls Clark is Smallville. We usually take turns in the bathroom. Oh, don't start with me, Smallville. You're the one taking the marathon shower. Besides, my delicate feminine sensibilities weren't offended the first time I got a glimpse of Clark Jr. One of my favorite sites is Ranker, R-A-N-K. 
R-A-N-K-E-R, ranker.com. Or in this case, it's um, listed under screenrant.com. There's the 10 most romantic sci-fi movies according to Ranker. And in that, they mentioned The Time Traveler's Wife. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen that because I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's been a while, though. Yeah, uh, Rival is one of my favorites, and that's definitely got great chemistry and has a great sort of love story um, behind that. Um, Another Earth is one of the things that they've listed from 2011, and I'm not as familiar with that. But one of the ones that we all love and de- love dearly is Blade Runner, which we also did a podcast a, a episode a year or two ago. Yeah, um, also with Charlene Challenger. Yes. And definitely the um, that connection between um, Rachel and Deckard and what's going on there is one of the great ones in science fiction. And you also get a sense that there is, uh, you know, a, a love connection between Pris and... Yeah, Roy Batty. Roy Batty. Gattaca, which I haven't seen. Like It was from 97, so we're talking about now to 2023. Um, God world. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of years. <laughs> um, that's what 26 years. Yeah. Um, but they've mentioned this and I didn't seen Gattaca in so long. I don't even remember Holy amnesia. this, um, uh, relationship going on. I was just, the only things I remember from it is that him trying to get to wherever it was Mars or get off planet. And he had to, get someone's DNA to be able to do that. And there was some cop who was just steps uh, away from trying to, to nab him. Um, Palm screens springs. I've not heard of the times traveler's wife again um, about, about time. time. I was going to mention that one. No, no. What's that? Cause I haven't seen that one. Well, no, I I've, it's been, I've had people tell me very recently um, that I need to watch that. And, uh, and I will because um I like the leads. I like McAdams, and that is um, uh, Gleason, uh, the son of the fellow who is in Banshees of Inisherin right now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, um, you know, in a way, Brazil could be up there too. Mm. I mean, in the uh, spoiler, in the long run, it's all in his mind. There is no love. There is no relationship, but. Um, as the story unfolds, it's very romantic, even though if it is in the protagonist's mind. Mm. Now, this film, I don't know if you've seen it because I have oh, so still not seen it. It's it's an, yeah, I would have to put this in one of the best films of of this century. Yeah, it, uh, the, uh, for those who don't have a screen share on this podcast, it's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. From 2004, I've heard so many good things about it, but eventually, Alex and I will go. We'll, we'll sit down and rent the th- uh, the film. Um, she's already seen it, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, and that's Jim Carrey. Yep. Yeah, starring Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Passengers from 2016. Oh, that was sad. I mean, I, I I wanted to like that film, and you've got two great leads, and I just found it was kind of a letdown. Did you see that? No, I have not seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, and that's it for that list. Um, I've got other. Um, Can we touch on uh, Battlestar Galactica quickly? Absolutely. Um, I just wanted to to mention how there was. I mean, there was a lot of 
uh, interpersonal dynamics happening on that show. Now, I'm talking about the reboot. I mean, I like the original as well, but it, the reboot is just one of the best shows ever on television. Mm. Um, but they had some great, um, both, I guess, love affairs and hookups and whatnot. They had uh, Adama played by Edward James Almost and yeah. uh, President Laura Robbins by uh, played by Mary McDonnell. Um, that was a great, great, great story um, with um, the president has cancer through the series and Adama is by her side throughout uh, until the end. And it's a, it's, it's a, a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also uh, Starbuck, Kara Thrace and Apollo and uh, Starbuck is played by the wonderful uh, Katie Sackoff. Um, that was a great storyline. Um, and of course there was uh, Gaius Baltar and number six played by Trisha Halfer. Yeah. Um, and that was uh, all of those um, scenes were very easy on the eyes. Mm. Um, and oh, and yeah, go ahead. Just a quick, a quick one here. I would be remiss if I didn't mention one of my wife's favorite uh, shows of the, the past bunch of years, uh, which is uh, Outlander, which gave us the relationship of Jamie and Claire. Um, and for those unaware, that's a time travel series based on uh, the books by Diane Gabaldon. Yeah, and I definitely have to watch those after seeing um, um, Katrina Balfe in um, Belfast. And I thought, well, I should watch Outlander then. Uh, and I've heard a lot of good things about um, uh, Outlander. Now, here's a list of the 10 most epic love stories in all science fiction. And then after this, we may have to we should probably wrap up yeah. Wrap up because I didn't even start the timer. So this is uh, something where you can just search, Google search 10 most epic love stories in all of science fiction. It's by Charlie Jane Anders. It was published uh, September 4th, 2012. Some of these I'm not aware of. Um, for example, number one on the list is Makoto and Chiaki in something called The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Um, this may be anime or manga or something. I'm not sure, but I haven't seen that. Next one is Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese from The Terminator. Um, and we all love the Terminator film, of course. And that was one of those great relationships. Um, they've got a, a, a story from Lois McMaster Buljold where they mentioned two characters. I'm not familiar with that. Wall, number four is Wally and Eve in the, the movie Wally. Uh, I don't know if you remember that one, um, Troy. I do actually. That's one I've never seen. Yeah, and that one I hadn't seen until just this past year. Alexa said, you really have to see this one, and and it was very good. Um, we both uh, know and love Dune, and Paul Muad'Dib and Chani mm-hmm. uh, from Dune uh, are way up there. Um, they've got a, a couple from Cowboy Bebop. Now, they also, uh, the writer also mentioned the Chrysalids. Now, I haven't read that John Wyndham novel since the mid seventies, but they mentioned David and Rosalind from the mm-hmm. chrysalids. Oh uh, yeah, it's beautiful. That's one of my favorite books ever. Like that's that's in my yeah, my all time uh, all time book list. Yep. Uh Henry and Claire and the Time Traveler's Wife, and then they've just got two left. 
John Crichton and Aaron Sun from Farscape, and then, of course, Han Solo and Princess Leia from Star Wars. I had uh, two quick ones before we start to wrap up, David. Um, from the comic books, and I, I suppose from some of the other adaptations, um, one of my favorite tragic love stories is from Swamp Thing, um, originally mm. by uh, Len Wein. Um, and the, the love is between Alex Holland, who becomes the Swamp Thing. He's turned into the Swamp Thing through an accident. Um, and Abigail, I believe her last name is Arcane. And the love affair continues uh, through the story runs with Alan Moore after he took over. Um, anyway, it's it's a really great but tragic love story and one that i never thought i would see there was a brief uh run of justice league um it was actually i guess a standalone story called cry for justice where supergirl and the young shazam get together right um and never thought i'd see that but there it was well it's funny how you mentioned swamp thing because when we were talking early in the episode we were talking about love that one of the earliest ones i was thinking of was swamp thing oh really um just because it's unusual because i had forgotten about of course swamp thing being and originally someone that changed into swamp thing and there's still this connection with um the love uh, yeah swamp thing's life and there was a recent series uh i don't know if it was on hbo but it had a one season run and it was very good and i'm not sure why it was canceled but um, I believe they're resurrect. DC is resurrecting Swamp Thing uh, into a feature film in in their plan for the next bunch of years, and maybe that's why they wanted to stop the run so it wouldn't uh, interfere with the continuity that they had planned for a a new launch. Yeah, and there's a Swamp Thing movie right with Adrian Barbeau years ago, right? Yeah, and then a Swamp Thing returns with Heather Locklear as well, and they're both very cheesy. They're very much in the vein of like. Uh, 1966 Batman. We may need to do a podcast just on Adrian Barbeau and the stuff, just like we did. Oh, with the Bruce Bruce Willis. Willis. Yeah, for genre. Genre, yeah, the, it's it's incredible. Even Escape from New York, um, uh, which itself needs an episode. Um, she's been in a lot. The Mist, also, if I remember. Yeah, a lot of Carpenter stuff. She's yeah. great in Creep Show. She has a great segment in Creep Show. Um, I guess we would be remiss, David, if we did not dedicate this episode to the loves of our lives, Alexa Carroll and Christy Harkin. Um, so there you go. Have a happy uh, Valentine's Day, ladies. Yeah, and we definitely need to uh, have them both on an episode. Uh, maybe that'll be our Valentine's a year from now, possibly, but we definitely should have them. I think they were willing and we're going to step in for last year's Valentine's show, but then we were able to uh, um, get special guests for that. But I think they are very special in our lives and maybe we should uh, sit down with them and actually talk about, you know, what are the things that they draws them? You know, what are, the, what is the love in science fiction between characters that draw and what is, what's, what do they care about? That would be a great idea. Yeah. So anyways, um, that's our Love on the Set, a St. Valentine's Day special episode. Remember to catch us on all of our socials, um, your favorite podcast providers. Check us out on Spotify. The website is 
2, numeric 2of.ca. Um, always please have a look on Facebook because we do a lot of interaction there and we would love to hear from you. Um, a Facebook where just two old farts talk sci-fi. Um, and please do all those things like tell a friend, like, and subscribe. Um, but please, yeah, reach out. We'll be there. I am actually David Clink. And you know what? I am Troy Harkin. See you all for our next episode of Two Old Farts. Talk sci-fi. Every time you are near